0: Lord, we, we, we are completely out of control, and I don't mean that we're all out of control. I mean, we have no control. Lord, we, we are pro- it is proven to us daily how little control we actually have over this world and over circumstances, uh, circumstances and things going on. God, our comfort, our faith, our hope, our assurance is that you are in control. That all of this is firmly in your hand. And we may not understand why and and may never understand any of the whys. We we know that we suffer because of sin. Uh, This is all the result of a fallen world suffering under the sinfulness of us. And Lord, our greatest joy is that sin doesn't get the final answer. It affects this life. It can affect our eternity, but because of your Son, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we can experience an eternity apart from the effects of sin. This is temporary, and eternity is forever. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of salvation through Jesus that allows us to make the decision to either follow him and follow you, trust him for our salvation, or reject him and spend an eternity suffering with the consequences of our sin, far and away worse than the consequences we suffer in this life. Lord, we thank you for that promise, that hope, the hope that we build our lives on, really. God, may we express that hope in a world that is hurting, wondering, suffering through all of this. God, may you speak to us today as we study your word. Let us hear clearly your message for each of us as an individual and for us as a community of believers, a family of faith. We pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear you, that we would confess our sins before you, so that we will be prepared and cleansed and readied for the the discipling relationship that we have with you, and that you'll change us. We'll leave here different than we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, take your Bibles and turn to Philippians chapter 2. This week and next week, we will finish up chapter 2 of Philippians. But Over these next two weeks, we are looking at two... Uh, of Paul's uh, companions, uh, two names that we know from the New Testament. One of them had letters written to him. Today we're looking at Timothy. And uh, as I was reading and studying this week, I I realized something that I've read Philippians a bunch of times, and the reason I've read it a bunch of times is because it's short. (laughs) Very spiritual reason. Um, You always go to the short books. I'm going to start reading my Bible again, right? And we always pick the short books. Nobody ever goes to Leviticus when they're going to start reading their Bible again. Uh, Nobody reads Psalms, the whole book of the Psalms. I'm, I'm starting today. I'm going to read all 150 chapters of Psalms, including chapter 119. Nobody does that. So I've read Philippians a bunch of times. And it was this week that the connection between Timothy and Epaphroditus and... Chapter two, verses five and following, having the attitude of Christ, having the same attitude, clicked. And so, a little bit of what I'm going to talk about today is kind of why I preach the way I do. Uh, I talked about this a few weeks ago, for in one direction. I'm going to talk about it a little bit, a little bit different direction this week. One of the things I hope you get out of me preaching through a book of the Bible like this is. A uh, not a roadmap, not even an example, really, but maybe sort of both of those things. Uh, a, a realization that as you read the the Bible, you're you're not you're not reading passages um, in uh, there's just great uh, excerpts, but 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 not not. Pulled from the, the, the scripture, not pulled from the, the the context. You're not reading them alone. When Paul especially when Paul writes the letters, but even the narratives of of Judges or Joshua or something like that. Everything you read now builds on what you've previously read, and what you will read later will build on what you're reading now and what you've previously read. That that Duh, Michael. Yeah, I know, duh, but we don't sometimes read that way. We, we love particular verses in the Bible, right? We have our favorite verses. We love uh, verses like Jeremiah 29 11. Um, yeah, I could think of the reference, but not the verse. That never happens. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you. You know, I'll ask one of my favorite verses. But context really affects that passage. And and while it's a good verse, the rest of it says, oh, by the way, part of the plans I have for you is to continue to suffer where you are. And then I will do something great later on. Well, I don't, wanna, I don't want that part. I just want the part of the good plans. I don't want the part of continual suffering. So, So when we read a passage, and this is why I recommend... Two things when you read your Bible, and it's kind of what we're doing with our discipleship, uh, our D group readings right now, uh, and have been all year. We've we've continued the reading, if not the actual meetings, is we read a chapter a day. But if if I could give a a recommendation above that, um, it would be to maybe I think that's good discipline, okay? But I think it would also be good to pick a book of the Bible maybe it's a shorter book philippians cause it's easier or ephesians or one of the letters or something like that jude one chapter third john 20 verses i mean, something and read a few verses today and think about, really meditate on those verses. If, if you have a Bible that, that breaks it down into paragraphs, that's great. You're getting kind of a complete thought. We miss that in our Bibles that are broken down by verse. We miss this paragraph. And, and we, as, as just, you know, readers, we read a novel. We read a book based on, we, we know uh, I'm, I'm at the end of a paragraph, Uh, so I've come to the end of a thought. I mean, the end of a chapter, so now I'm kind of at a cliffhanger. Well, our verses and chapters in the Bible don't always match the complete thoughts. So, remember the verse numbers, the chapter numbers weren't original. That was added in the thousand, somewhere around there, A.D. So, uh, that's a new thing, relatively. So, my recommendation is, read a little bit. Read a paragraph today. Think about, meditate on that paragraph. Tomorrow, Read that paragraph and the next paragraph. Oh, so that, I see how that flows into it. And then on the third day, read the next paragraph, but read the first two with it. Paragraph one, paragraph two, paragraph three. And you see, you'll see how you get uh, the context of the next part that you read. Well, that's what preaching like this does for me. Hopefully it does for you as well. Uh, as I prepare... I realize things, connections between this passage that we're talking about this week, in this case verses 19 through 24, with something earlier in the chapter and something that Paul said in the beginning of the letter. And those are things we don't catch if we pull out a chapter by itself and we read it, or we have a verse that we read, that sort of thing. So that's I tell you all that one to to just talk about a little bit about my process and preparation, two to help you in, in your personal Bible reading and and getting uh, context from what you're reading, and then thirdly to to prepare you so, or to get you thinking that way as we work through the passage this morning, seeing how what we're reading is reflecting what Paul has already said in this case about Jesus. So this, these verses, actually 19 through uh, 30 of chapter 2, are a, a wrap-up of what's going on in Paul's life right then with what's going to happen later on. Paul often began his letters with, hey, this is what's happening with me. I hear what's happening with you. Uh, God's going to use it in this particular way. I can't wait to see you when I can. And then he gets to maybe some meat, the meat of his letter, although he's kind of already done the meat in this earlier part. So in the end of chapter 2, he's wrapping up the, this is what's going on with me, and I hope to see you later. So we're, we're wrapping up that portion of the letter. He's, he's wrapping up what's gone on or what is going with, on with him. Remember we talked about I'm in chains, but God's using these chains for the glory of the gospel. So I rejoice in it. That's what he's talked about so far. And if I get out of these chains, this is the next two paragraphs we'll be looking at, 19 through 30. If I get out of these chains, then hopefully, and I feel like I will, then I'll get to come see you too. He's wrapping it up. And in verses 19 through 30, he presents Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples of what verses 127 through 218 called for. Remember, we just did a series from Philippians called Live Worthy. Worthy of all the things we can See, that's God being worthy, right? He's worthy. But we need to live worthy of our calling, of our name, the name that we carry Christ. And that's what this has been about so far. And we miss this. We would miss I'll be honest verses 19 through 30 would kind of be skim verses for me if I were reading Philippians. If I were just starting at the beginning and my goal was to get to the end of Philippians, read all four chapters, and whew, I read Philippians, aren't I impressive? If, if that were my goal, these verses would kind of be skimming. Oh, uh, yeah, I want to send Timothy when I can. I'm sending a prophet now. See y'all when I get there. Okay, right, let's get on the important stuff, Paul. But that's not, see, there's no scripture that's that way in, in scripture. There's no verse that's a throwaway. There's nothing God put in there that we we would be able to say, well, now this isn't as important as the rest of the stuff. If God put it in there, it has import to us. And so he's presenting Paul, uh, or rather Timothy and Epaphroditus in the midst of his, I'm I'm, uh, going to send Timothy, verse 19. I am sending Epaphroditus, verse 25. I'm sending them to you. In the midst of that is an explanation of who they are, what they are. And the comparison that we have based on the language that he uh, uses is with Jesus, whom he described in verses 5 through uh, 11 or so. Specifically, these two passages, these two paragraphs, present Timothy and Epaphroditus as embodying the attitude of Jesus, being both emptied, Timothy, and humbled. Now, he never uses those words, he never uses Timothy is emptied that Epaphroditus is humbled. He describes them though in the ways that he described Jesus being emptied and humbled. So you see what I mean about reading through Scripture and and hearing the echoes of what Paul has already said. He doesn't say, and Timothy being emptied of himself does these things. And Epaphroditus having humbled himself has done these things. He says, Timothy, as we're going to see as we get into the passage, Timothy cares more about y'all than he does himself. His concerns are you, not himself. Well, if you remember with Jesus, that's what we talked about being emptied was. He cared less about heaven and more about being obedient as the second person of the Trinity to the Trinitarian mind we talked about. Epaphroditus, he's going to say, was willing to be sick even to die for the gospel. Well, when we talked about Jesus in that passage in chapter, in in, in verses five and following, Jesus humbled himself to death, even to death on the cross for the gospel, to be able to share the gospel. Timothy was emptied as Jesus was emptied. Epaphroditus is humbled as Jesus was humbled. I think it is striking also that and maybe maybe these two guys were both emptied and humbled, and Paul was just knew that they were both going, so he presented one as one characteristic and one as the other. Or maybe it's just hard to do both all at the same time. It's tough to do one of them, emptying yourself and humbling yourself. And that shows us how incredibly awesome our Savior is, that he was able to do that. So one other thing I want to remind you of uh, is that Paul wrote this as a friendly letter. right? As we move through Philippians, he ain't mad. Uh, he's encouraging them. This is an encouraging letter. But we also have to understand that none of us like to be told we're wrong. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe he's like, I, I love it when somebody says you're wrong about that. I don't. So even as a friendly letter to the church in Philippi, there are people sitting in the pews or, or whatever they sat in going, Man, I don't think, I'm, I'm not like that. I don't do that. <laughs> Paul, I don't care if it's a friendly letter. He didn't, we're going to be the same way as we move through this, right? We're going to hear things and, and say, well, it doesn't sound very friendly to me. It sounds like he's being a jerk. No, he's not being a jerk. He's just telling you what's right and what's wrong. And so that's how we read it. So as we read it, we look, uh, we read scripture with an eye and a memory toward what we've previously read. And that's how we're looking at this passage this morning. So, the passage, that was a long introduction. The passage, let's read it together. Not out loud together, but you know, follow along. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. For I have no one else like-minded... Now, if you were reading this at home by yourself, like minded, should, it, depending on how your version translates it, you should have heard, ooh, mind of Christ. Like minded, same attitude. For I have no one else like minded who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. I am confident in the Lord that I myself will also come soon. So, like I said, if you're reading this passage on your own, you should hear some echoes of what we read in chapter 2, verses 5 and verse 5 and following. You would have heard the same attitude, same mind, like-minded and you would have thought, "Oh, Paul has already told the Philippians To have the same attitude, same mind as Christ. And now he's saying that Timothy is like-minded, like-attituded. Eh, we'll go with that. So what does this tell us about Timothy? Well, I've actually been able to find about four or five things that it tells us about Timothy. And half of my notes disappeared and now all of them have. Okay, that was going to be an interesting sermon. Very short one, if everything was really gone. First thing we see about Timothy is that he's an honest discipler. Now, I know a lot of people wonder with preachers, where in the world did you get that? Because if you read verse twenty, uh, verse nineteen, and I hope to send you, uh, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so uh, soon, so that I too may be encouraged by news about you. And Michael comes up with an honest discipler. How in the world did you come up with that? I'm glad you asked. Paul trusted him, right? We're going to see that. So if Paul trusted him, do you trust people who don't tell the truth? You can nod or shake your head, whichever is the case. Do you trust dishonest people? No, we don't trust dishonest people. So, by the fact that Paul trusts him, we know Timothy is honest. Now, do we think in a situation where it took days, weeks to travel, pretty expensive, a lot of preparation, and you didn't just travel for a day or two, I mean, you didn't just spend a day or two where you were, especially when you were a missionary leading a church or helping a church grow? Do we think that Timothy went to the church in Philippi and just got a chair and he sat over in the corner and he just kind of watched when they met and looked in on some study groups? Kind of like if you're a teacher when you're, uh, you were being evaluated for the year and the principal came and sat. They didn't contribute anything. They have made a few little notes at the end and gave them to you. And, uh, but they didn't really just, they don't interrupt and, and that sort of thing. Do we think Timothy did that? I don't. I don't think Timothy just sat in a corner and was polite for a couple of days and watched and said, okay, I'll just go tell Paul what I saw. I I don't think that's the way uh, Paul trained him. I don't believe that was Timothy's heart because we're going to see that he's concerned about them, genuinely cares about their interests. He generally genuinely cares about their interests and he sees a need in the community. He's going to speak to that need as Paul's representative. So that's how I get to an honest discipler. We see that he was sent to check the results of the letter. That's the whole reason Paul is sending Timothy at this point. Go check and see if they've listened to the letter I've written. Now, chronologically, these two paragraphs with Timothy and Epaphroditus are out of order. Okay? Epaphroditus carried the letter. The letter, the Philippians, the Philippians, the letter that we have, the one who carried it was Epaphroditus. And he is going to, or Paul is going to talk about Epaphroditus after he talks to Timothy. They will have gotten this letter already. Epaphroditus is already there. And as they read the letter, the church learns, by the way, I'm going to send Timothy as well. And whoever's reading the letter to the church then gets to the part where he talks about Epaphroditus. Probably Epaphroditus reading the letter. And oh, here's the part about me. So Timothy's coming. Let me tell you about what Paul said about me. So it's 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 out of order, but the goal is for Timothy to go to Philippi and check up on the church. Have they listened to what I wrote? Did they did, did they understand it? Are there things that need to be clarified? In a sense, Timothy would likely get there to the church and he would preach Paul's letter. He would explain Paul's letter to the church. What did Paul mean by this, Timothy? Well, let me tell you what he meant. He he meant these things cuz I've talked to him. I was just there just a, a week or two ago. I was there when he wrote the letter. We talked about what was going on. His chief concern, though, Paul's was, was the progress of the gospel in Philippi. Remember, joy of partnership. What was the partnership we talked about in chapter 1? Sharing the gospel, gospel ministry. He's even going to talk about the joy of partnership with Timothy, father to a son. That was their relationship, but it was a relationship built on doing the work of the gospel. So he sent in Timothy to check these results, make sure that the church in Philippi is moving forward in gospel progress, and Timothy would have the authority, have the um, mandate, and have the desire and concern for the church to encourage them toward that end. So, if he got there and said, uh, and, and saw that the, the folks in Philippi weren't doing the things Paul had talked about, would we expect or want Timothy to go, Well, they're not doing that right at all? I mean, they have totally missed Paul's point in that letter. I'm going to go back and tell Paul that. But that's all I'm going to do. We would expect him. I would hope we would want him to say, hey guys, that's, that's not what Paul meant. Or, did y'all not read the part where he said, do this, or, or don't do this? He carried with him that authority. He would disciple them. And then, once he worked with them, now imagine Paul back in Rome when Timothy gets back to him. Paul they it's like they didn't even read chapter 3 of your letter. There was no chapter. Let's assume there was a page. Page 3. It's like they didn't even read page 3 of your letter. Well what'd you tell them? Oh, I didn't tell them anything. You just told me to go see what they were doing. You didn't correct them? You didn't tell me to do that. You just told I don't think Paul would have been happy. But if Timothy went back and said, it's like they didn't even read page three of your letter, Paul, what'd you do? Well, I explained it to him. I told him how we sat and we talked about it. And when you wrote the letter, you went over those things and, and we discussed how they needed to do this and that and the other and, and, and have this relationship. And, 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 and Paul would say, I'm going to assume That's exactly what I meant. Man, thanks for correcting them and directing them and continuing to disciple them. So Timothy here is an honest discipler. He gives an honest assessment to Paul and he leads those people. Be a Timothy. Give an honest assessment of your own life, an honest assessment of what's going on, and be a leader in correcting and directing what needs to be done. Paul says of Timothy that he's like-minded in verse, uh, the first half, to, uh, first half of verse 20. For I have no one else like-minded, no one else as dedicated to the gospel as Paul. But again, we hear that echo of being like Christ, uh, the mind, uh, having the mind of Christ being, having the same attitude as Christ. See, Paul cared for the spiritual growth and evangelistic reach of the church above all else. And Timothy, according to Paul, had the same desire, had the same mind, the same spirit, the same attitude. Paul knew he could send Timothy to the church in Philippi because Timothy cared about the church in Philippi. We read Paul... And we say, well, I'm I'm nowhere near like Paul. I I just can't believe Paul did what he did. I I hold him in such high esteem and and I'm in awe of, of how he ministered. And we're told to be like him. We should be like Paul. We should be a Timothy who mirrored Paul's desires, who mirrored Paul's beliefs. I I don't think we could read too much of uh, the writings of Paul. Now, you know what I think about his decision to uh, some of his missionary decisions. I think Paul made mistakes. I think he was wrong at times. I do think he put himself first. And he was corrected by the Lord in that. And especially as he got older, I believe he realized that. And we see some of that um, working out in his life as he writes these letters. But Paul had Jesus' interests first, more than anybody else I'm aware of. Certainly more than me. But he was nothing that I can't be. And that's what we need to realize. We, because we look and we see Timothy, who was raised in a God-fearing home, but was, was, uh, was half-Jewish, half-Gentile. He followed the faith of his mother and then got saved later in life, at least as a teenager, maybe older. And he came along and became a Paul. Right? There was nothing special about Timothy either. But Paul says, I have no one else who is like minded like him, who will set aside everything, he's going to say later on, in, just a, in a, just a few more words, set aside his own interests completely. Again, we hear that echo of Jesus in verse 6. Who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. He didn't look to his own interests. He didn't look to his own needs, desires. He didn't look to those things that he was giving up or, or who he was. He cared more about everybody else. Timothy had the mind of Christ. I think we can safely say that Paul had the mind of Christ. The attitude of Christ. And Paul tells them, I can trust this guy because we think alike. And if we read scripture, we should see, I want to think like Paul. I want to be a Timothy. The other way that he was like-minded with Paul, but also shared the attitude of Jesus, is that he was genuinely concerned in the second half of verse 20. And it just says, "Well, we'll genuinely care about your interests. Again, I go back to what I said earlier. Why do I think Timothy would have gone to the church in Philippi and corrected them as he saw things and not just take take notes, write a list and go back to Paul and report? Because he genuinely cared about them. He cared about the gospel and he cared about them. So when he saw what was going on in the church in Philippi, if they weren't following Paul's letter that he had written to them, he was going to correct them because of his genuine concern. But it was genuine concern. He does not care about his own power and authority. He's not there because he has some position with Paul or trying to gain something. Timothy had no goal but the spiritual well-being of that church in Philippi to represent Paul well. Now, I can imagine that in the church there would have been a few folks that said, who is this Timothy fellow coming in here telling us how we're supposed to do things? This young guy who's, what, 30, 40, telling us what we ought to be doing? Who does he think? Oh, he spent a little time with Paul. He got a little education and he's going to tell us what to do. I imagine there might have been one or two folks like that in the church. There would have been those that said he just loves the power, doesn't he? He loves going in and telling everybody what to do. He he must get paid really well. Loves to get rich off the backs of a church, doesn't he? That's what he wants to do. There would be people like that. But we see with Paul's own testimony, he shuts them down in a hurry. That's not Timothy's goal. That's not his reason for this. It's not about position, power, or gain. He wants to see the church grow. He wants to be a discipler. He wants to see all believers grow in the faith and new believers come to the faith. That's what Timothy wanted. That was his genuine concern because he shared a mind with Paul and with Jesus. And then we get maybe to the meatiest portion of this, verse 21, where we see that Timothy emptied himself. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. I've already told you a little bit of how I got there. Jesus didn't seek his own interests as the second person of the Trinity. As the second person equal in power, equal in, in uh, standing, uh, e- equal, completely equal. We uh, had I say it a few weeks ago, um, one who, three what's, one God, three persons, completely equal, completely in tune, one mind, right? They are all perfectly like-minded. And we're, we see in that passage that uh, in verse, uh, verse 6, 7, and 8 of chapter 2, he emptied himself of all that. Set it all aside. I don't know what Timothy's future was prior to his mission work. Um, it may say when it talks about his mother and his grandmother, but I don't think so. Probably they were doing okay. He may have had a great future in business or textiles or whatever it is they did at the time where he was from. But he didn't count any of that as something he wanted. He emptied himself of all those things. Like Jesus, Timothy was not selfish. Everybody else, Paul says, seeks their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Timothy seeks those things that are Jesus' interests. Jesus, as we saw in in the earlier chapter 2, put the interests of the Trinity first. Timothy put the interests of Jesus first. That was his goal in life. That was what he had given his life for. And that's what he showed up in Philippi to do. That's why he stayed with Paul. Paul. That's why Paul wrote letters to Timothy. That's why Paul said I, at, at the end of uh, 2 Timothy, come to me as soon as you can. In his dying days, we understand 2 Timothy to be. The person he, that we have recorded that he wanted with him was his son in the faith, Timothy. Because they are, were of one Mind, Because Timothy had put everything else aside to serve his Lord and the purposes of God. Timothy, we never see him asking, or based on this passage, we're told, Timothy never thought, what do I think about this? That wasn't how Timothy approached a situation. Well, what do I think about this? If Timothy had wanted power or gain... And Paul would not have trusted him if this had been the case. He would have known better. But what would have happened was Timothy would have gone to Philippi and said, All right, church. I know what Paul wrote, okay? I read the letter. But we all know Paul's a little sometimes, okay? I, he goes a little far, and I get it. And nobody really likes to be around him all the time. He gets grouchy. He does. He he needs a Snickers. Okay. Tell you what. Just ignore page three. I mean that's over the top. That let me tell you what you should do. All right? Let let me will I'll 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 do this better than Paul will, okay? Just Trust me. That was not his interest. If power and gain and position had been his interest, that's what he would have done. If, if that were his goal, Paul would have never trusted him. Paul would not have said of him in verse 21, all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Meaning, Timothy does not seek his own interests. Always, what does Jesus think about this situation? What does Jesus think about this? Folks, we pray for revival in our church. We pray for revival in our country. Revival will never come until believers are asking themselves, not what do I think about this, but what does Jesus think about this? And we have every answer we need right here. No No, nothing extra. We don't have to add to it. We want to know what Jesus thinks about a certain situation. We can can go broad view. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The broad view. Or we can get down to some brass tacks and and look at the Sermon on the Mountain. Look at what Paul wrote and look at what the... uh, prophets said about how to treat other people. We can, we can cover every avenue that we, uh, uh, we encounter right now with what does Jesus think about this based on what he has said in his word. All this is Jesus. Not just the New Testament's Jesus. All of it's Jesus. It's all his. He wrote it. The word. We believe all this is the word of God. Then in some sense, all of this is Jesus's words. Actually, in every sense, because he's the second person of the Trinity. Okay? And that was Timothy's interest. That was what he had done. He had emptied himself. So if you're looking for another definition of emptying yourself, it's never... You you have a lot of yourself still if your response is, now what do I think about this? You are emptied if you say, what does Jesus think about this. And then Paul says he commends them to him, uh, commends him to the church by saying in verse 22, something they already know, you know his proven character because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. His character was proven by gospel partnership, See, his life, not his words, showed who he was. I've, I've talked about before uh, that my, our closest friends in any church we have ever served in, in you know, 20 years of marriage and 25 years for me in the ministry, my closest friends have always been those people we serve with. It's the people who are at the activities, whether it's fellowships or whether it's doing. Honestly, usually it's the doing because that's often a smaller number than the fellowships. And it's usually longer. It it, it happens, it takes longer. So those are the people that we've always had the deepest relationships with. Those are the people that we have known the best. And, and honestly, those are the people that know us the best. The ones who have spent time with us over and over and over again. And, and, and maybe some have spent time with us over and over again. They're like, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I get that. That's, that's understandable. But most of folks, huh? Uh, yeah, with me. Everybody wants to spend time with her. That's, I know. Yeah, thank you, sweet. My whole family's against me. But his life showed who he was. Because he had spent all of this time with Paul, Paul knew his character. Because he had apparently already spent time with the church in Philippi, they knew his character. He's like, y'all know this guy. You know that everything I've said about him so far is true. You know his interests are Jesus' interests. You know he genuinely cares about you. You know he has the same mind as me. We have the mind of Christ. And that character had shown, those actions had shown, that what was important to Timothy was the gospel. And that's what had proved his character to Paul. And that's what shows our character as believers as well. It doesn't show our character as believers if we're willing to write checks to a church. I like tithing. Don't, don't hear me say I don't. It's very important. But that doesn't show character nearly as much as willingness to empty yourself and humble yourself for the gospel. That's what shows character. And for Paul, Timothy had seen his char- or rather, for Paul, he had seen Timothy's character over and over and over in his willingness to serve churches. He was a vital companion to Paul. He, he was a vital companion through, a companion through missionary journey over the years, and while he was imprisoned, he was a valuable, vital companion to Paul. He knew the character that Timothy had because of that partnership that they had. Again, what I was talking about uh, uh, earlier with, with people who have spent time with us, I, the, the, the things that I hear about myself from people that I go, I don't think I said that or I didn't know I was that way are generally from people who don't spend much time with me. It's people who have spent time with me the most that can go, oh yeah, he's totally like that, if, if that's what somebody says. Or, no, that's, that's, not, that's not him. H- how would they know that? Because the time that they have actually spent with me. And that's what we see from Paul. Now, we've talked about Timothy a lot. We've, we've probably uh, broken down his uh, character traits more than he ever expected. So what should I do with this? Well, based on the title, be a Timothy, right? That's what you should do with this. But what does that look like? Here are the five points. Again, disciple honestly. As a church member, as a believer, you need to encourage, strengthen, exhort, and correct each other. Y'all, that's a biblical thing. It doesn't just depend on me. Well, what's Michael going to rip into me about today? That's my job, yeah, but it's all of our jobs as a group, as a community to encourage, exhort, correct, strengthen each other. Honestly, we disciple each other with a goal of Christ-likeness. That's the purpose. So if we disciple honestly, then we are going to tell each other the truth in love. With the hopes of changing and strengthening each other and building up the foundation of our church we also have the dedication of paul in the mind of christ if we are going to be a timothy the dedication of paul who said my whole life right we we, beginning of the the, this uh this letter to the philippians to live is christ to die is gain you know what i win either way but my entire life is devoted to him through everything, we are emptied and humbled. No matter the situation, no matter the circumstance, my interests are set aside and I'm willing to die for the gospel. Emptied and humbled. And I, I, that's very, those are very broad, but I think they cover a lot of area as well. Thirdly, make your goal the spiritual go- growth of yourself and others. Your number one goal, what you live for, is the gospel. Spiritual growth. Making disciples is our purpose. No matter what your job is, your purpose in life, once you accept Christ, is to make disciples. Really, your job is just how you fund your ministry. That's really all that is. Your your work, your paycheck is, okay, how can I use this for Jesus? Because is that your paycheck or is that God's paycheck? Do we give a tither as... The little clip on the radio station lately or do we return a tithe? We give back to God a portion of what's already His. He lets us keep 90% of His and He says you only have to give me back 10% of mine. I, I wish businesses worked that way. So make your goal, the spiritual growth of yourself and others, make your response to brothers and sisters in Christ about the gospel, not preferences and desires, not personal interests, not your own gain, not your own goals, not your own position or power. Fourth, give up your rights and your privileges. In every relationship you have, Every relationship you have, you have from your deepest relationship to your most distant, your most tenuous. In every relationship you have, who is important is not you. The one that is important is not you. Y'all, as believers, we empty and humble. Empty and humble. And if we are emptying and humbling, then... I am the least important in every relationship I have. The other person is more important than me. Sounds easy, right? Y'all are all going, well, yeah, we all do that. I know, I get it. It's, it's me that struggles with this. It's hard. There ain't nothing about this easy. Go back for just a second how, if, if Timothy had wanted to betray Paul, how easy it would have been to go to Philippi and say, I know Paul said have the attitude of Jesus, but don't we all know that's hard? Don't we all know that that is impossible? Emptied and humbled? Y'all, just try a little harder. That's all you have to do. Just try a little harder. You know, if you're you're at a nine, make it a ten. If you're at a ninety, make it ninety-one. Just a little harder. That is not what the Bible calls us to. The Bible calls us to, to, if I remember correctly, and I do, have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Not an attitude similar to, not an attitude kind of like, not something that comes close to resembling, not 1% of the attitude Jesus has, but have the same attitude. That's hard. And we do that by giving up our rights and our privileges. If in every relationship you have, the person who is important is not you, that is even more true in your relationships with lost people. As important as it is with your fellow believers, your church family, it is more important that the lost people you have relationships with are more important than you. Emptying yourself doesn't matter my interests. Humble yourself, we talked about that a few weeks ago. I am willing to die for lost people. Yeah, I know, I just made it hard. Er. And then lastly, make sure your life proves who you say you are. That's what Paul says, he's proven his character, Timothy. Well, make sure your character is proven by the life you live. Do your actions match your faith? And I imagine if we took a survey, if we had inventory, yep, 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 I scored like a 93. 93%. Pretty good on my actions matching my faith. <sighs> Y'all remember when your teachers used to let you grade your own homework? How How honest were you? I mean, did you maybe change an answer? Oh, that was the oh, that's what I meant to write. See, it was I had it, but I erased it, and then I. So I'm going to give myself credit for that one. Let somebody else grade you. On do your actions reflect your faith? Because really, that's what's important anyway. Especially lost people. How do lost people see you? Do they believe your actions reflect your faith? Do they agree that you have proven your character? That's how we're going to be a Timothy. But you need to begin by being a Timothy, or begin being a Timothy by being a part of the family, by being one of Jesus's own, understanding that you are are you have Messed up God's design. You personally, God's design is messed up. God's design was for us to have a perfect relationship with him. And we messed that up with sin. Adam and Eve did it first. And we just follow in the footsteps of our parents. And we continue to mess that up. And our sin leads to brokenness. Our sin breaks the relationships with each other. Breaks our relationship with the Lord. And every fix we have for that only makes Brokenness worse. We can't fix it on our own. Jesus said, Paul knew his whole purpose was the gospel. The very thing that could fix the brokenness. Christ and Him crucified. A perfect, the perfect Son of God. Not a perfect Son of God. Hold up. The perfect Son of God. Second person of the Trinity. Come to earth as a human. Emptying himself and humbling himself all the way to death, even to death on the cross. For such a worm as I and you, dying on that cross, taking my punishment for my sin and the very sin itself, so no longer will I suffer the consequences eternally of that sin. And no, no longer do I suffer under the weight of that sin. I am freed. I am healed of that sin. Dying on that cross. Staying dead for three whole days until he rose from the grave and showed us, I have conquered death and I have proven forgiveness. I have power over all of it. And if we repent and believe, repent of our sin, and believe in that Jesus that, who died on that cross, then we will be saved, and we will begin to recover and pursue God's design, part of which is, church, be a Timothy. Be a Timothy. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word speaks. God, that you guide, you correct, you direct, you exhort and this is part of what you are doing in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would be Timothys. That we would be those who have emptied ourselves for the gospel. Who didn't write a letter in the Bible. Lord, we look at Paul and we go, wow! And we look at Timothy, and he's cool too. And, and then we find that we're supposed to be like them. We, because they were like you. We, we are supposed to have the same attitude as you. So, Lord, it may be little steps now. It may be going from 9 to 10 or 90 to 91, but that's not the goal. 91 or, or 10 or, or a step or here or there is not the goal. Perfection is actually the goal. To be like Jesus is our goal. And, God, we cannot do that on our own. We are only strengthened for that through you. Through a relationship with you, through studying your word, through prayer, through discipleship with other believers, fellowship and partnership in the gospel and in the ministry, we find that we grow in our faith. Lord, help us do that. This morning, as we come to you today, we ask that you would impress on hearts who are listening this morning their need for Jesus Christ and need for salvation. May today be the day that they turn to you and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know that. I can't fix that on my own. I trust you to save me. As simple as that, if they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, they will be saved. And Lord, I pray that folks do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have a decision you'd like to share with us, Send us a message on Facebook. Send us an email. If you're watching online especially, you can message us on there, comment. going to take a few minutes to worship. Let God allow this to settle in us this morning as we seek to hear from him, continue to grow in our faith, and we hopefully begin today to be a Timothy, to have that mind of Christ.